0: And as we turn our attention to uh, the scriptures this morning, I invite you to open your Bibles, and don't be distracted by this wonderfully sparkly floating inner tube that I have. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's surrounded by some smaller books, so you'll get through like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, anything with a first and second Timothy and Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians, then Timothy. Then you'll find Hebrews. Um, if you want to work with page numbers, your page number in your Bible should be 1,033. So we'll read all of Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. As we turn our attention to God's word, we remember some of, the, some of the push in Hebrews is that Christ is superior. Christ is superior as the fulfillment of the law. Christ is superior over all of our traditions and all of our thoughts and that the whole universe is made through Christ and Christ was made to be just like us. And so in this beautiful paradox that we continue to explore in Hebrews chapter two, we'll ask God in a moment to open our minds and our hearts to what he can speak to us today through Hebrews chapter two. And we'll explain why we have some of these props up here in just a minute, too. But before we read God's word together, let's pray. Lord, we say together in our call to worship, speak to us today, O God. Speak to us your truth. And so we pray that now you do speak to us. We pray that you speak to us truth spoken in love. We pray that your Holy Spirit may connect us to your truth in ways that humbles us and builds us up, in ways that makes us both contrite and confident. Lord, we pray that you build us up by your Holy Spirit, that you correct us where we are wrong, that you direct us where we are aimless, and that ultimately, as your truth is spoken into us, we may find life in you. And may we come to an ever-growing and ever-deeper love for you, Jesus. And may our love for you guide and direct us for how we are in your beautiful world. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, for we, your servants, listen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing. That is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus. We do see Jesus, who is made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're given a strong caution and urging in the beginning of chapter two that we do not drift away. I would argue this morning or offer that there are two ways that we tend to drift away. And the first word that came to mind for me was probably more of this type of drifting. And I will say, this is a very comfortable seat for me to be in, and thank you, Conovers, for borrowing it uh, to me, um, and Ella especially. I love the extra sparkly side of this one in particular. This is great. I wonder if we read Hebrews 2, and we hear that, that, that command, do not drift away. The first place that my mind goes in terms of drifting is this kind of drifting. Sitting on an inner tube, maybe just hanging out in the pool, maybe on a lazy river where you don't have to do anything. You can just kind of drift around. And it's a great way to relax, but it's not a great idea for discipleship. It's not a way to grow in Christ by saying, I can just sit in the tube, I'll drift away. This is a pretty lazy posture. And I will say, since I'm usually standing during the sermon, it's also very comfortable. And isn't that part of the temptation? Is that, well, we're busy. We work hard. And sometimes it's easy to get a little lazy. And I'm not talking about hanging out in the pool in a wonderful tube such as this. What I'm talking about is spiritually drifting. Where Hebrews argues to us that we can't forget, we can't ignore this great salvation that we have been given. And one of the ways that we can ignore it and drift away is through a total lack of effort, where we could say, you know what, I'm good. One of the the church's greatest strengths is also its greatest weakness. You could sit in your tube and say, the church will always be there for me, meaning it will be there for me when I need it. But also that means if I don't need it right now, well, I'm much more comfortable sitting here in this tube. And we can drift, we can get lazy we can start to wonder, why isn't God speaking to me anymore? Well, are we just kind of drifting, hanging out in our tube, saying, it'll be fine, everything will work out? This is not a posture of growth. It is a posture by which you can drift away, by which we can forget all of our problems and just let the waters take us wherever they go. And that would be okay in a pool or a lazy river But it doesn't work in life, and it doesn't work as a Christian to sit in the tube and drift. And why is this? Because of the power of death. And who does that belong to that we just heard in Hebrews chapter 2? It belongs to the devil. And so if we are to drift, we can be very comfortable. We can surround ourselves with the greatest creature comforts. We can even occasionally say, it's okay, God's got this. But we will drift to our own harm, and even to death. Not that Christ ever releases that which is his, but we can drift away from our salvation, and how tempting it is to just take it easy for a little while. Maybe we have a really busy season where something just has to give, and so it just gets easier to maybe not do some of the practices we know we should. The Bible gets a little dusty, or that app doesn't get opened, Prayer, oh, man, I can't remember the last time I've talked to God because I don't really need to talk to anybody when I'm in my nice, comfy tube. And here I drift. Here we drift. We know that sometimes it's good to attend church services. Worship can be good for us. Yeah, we know that. But this is a lot more comfortable. Friends, be glad that our pews at least have cushions on the seat and on the back. And then that little bit of laziness kind of starts to creep in, and then it's a lot harder to recover the further that we've drifted. And if I could push myself with my feet on stage, I would, but I can't, I think that would be a detriment to my pants. I do plan to drift around in Conover's pool when I return this, though. I'll give it back eventually, I know this one's yours, so. Is this your temptation? To be in the posture of maybe drifting where mm, we just got a little lazy. And the laziness, at first, we tricked ourselves into thinking, this is just the relief that we need, and then we'll get back to it. But the longer we stay in this lazy, drifting posture, the harder it is to get back up. The longer we tell ourselves that everything's okay, the harder it is to remind ourselves how much we need a Savior, how much we need salvation. And as Hebrews tells us, We see Jesus. We don't see everything else, but we do see Jesus. But if we drift away too far, we might have a harder time seeing Jesus. We might have a harder time holding up the mirror to our own life and saying, I need a Savior. And in so doing, we can drift away from this gospel message of saying, we need a Savior, we need salvation, we need someone else to set us free from death. But if we drift in the tube, we will ever so slowly drift towards death, even without knowing it, because it's oh so comfortable. But there's two ways we can drift, isn't there? One is the tube. But there's another type of drifting that we can do, where the tube is a reminder that we can drift through no effort, argue we can also drift away with full effort if we were paddling our hearts out if we were in a canoe and we said it is all up to us we need to take control we need to make things happen we could paddle our hearts out either by ourselves in which case we need a little more space to change our strokes every now and then or we could say i'm with my group and we need to paddle we need to make it happen it's all up to us and we will exhaust ourselves If we think that we can make it through life on our power, we will exhaust ourselves even if we think we can do it together. Because if we try to do it all on our own, it is also a way of drifting away from salvation, from the savior that we need the one who calls us all sons and daughters, who called us his own, Jesus who became just like us, so he knows what it's like to get blisters on his hands from hard work. He knows what it's like to face adversity and temptation. So sometimes we drift in the tube. Other times we might drift with a paddle in hand and we are working as hard as anyone has ever worked. And we get a little bit proud of ourselves, don't we? Isn't it good that we're hard workers, not like those lazy tube people who drifted away. And all the while, we can work so hard and do so much good in God's name. And God would call out to us and say, you're not paddling in the right direction. You, in fact, also can drift away even with all of the effort in the world. This is the other type of drifting. I wonder for you, Which one are you most tempted by, either by your personality or by this stage in life? What's most tempting? Is it to say, I need just to chill for a little bit? Or is it to say, I'm gonna get in gear and I'm gonna change the world all on my own, as if it was our own power by which we were saved? Which one is it for you? And even, and I'm very traditional in many ways, Man, I'm not bothered by that, but one thing that I'm cautious of, of the ore in hand, is this. Tradition can drift us off course as well. Can you picture this, perhaps? We sail west. We always sail west. We're good at sailing west. Sailing west is what we do. And we work hard at sailing west. And then maybe somebody notices, but aren't the winds pushing north? No, no, no. We here, we sail west. We are west sailing people. But I really think that the power of the wind, I think, I think north, but we silence those who say anything different, right? So we say, nope, we sail west. Sailing west is what we know how to do. This is what we do, and we're good at it, so we're not gonna do anything different ever. I wonder if also, oof, if we're in a canoe, Or if we're in a longer boat, there's more people, there's different seats. And don't we get used to people being in certain seats? I mean, from my vantage point, I know y'all are used to sitting in similar seats, right? And that's not a bad thing because somewhere between the tube and the oar, there is some comfort in routine and rhythm. It's why we have rhythms to life that God gives us. But when it comes to the longer boat, can we get used to saying, oh, no, no, these people go in these seats. That is how it works. That is how we sail west. And perhaps a, a quiet, questioning voice says, what if we rearrange the seats a little bit? I know that Chuck Brower has tried when he's ushered to sit people in different seats and has been told no. And that's more of a playful, like, there's nothing big, that's not that big of a deal. Well, I mean, not to me. I just think it's funny. Sorry, Chuck. But good luck next time. Um, But I wonder if there's other times where someone says, you know, what if we gave someone else a turn? What if we rearranged who's in what seat? And we might hear, no, because the people in the seats right now, they know how to go west, and that's what we do. And so any idea of saying, I think the winds are going north, or I wonder if if those two switch spots, would she actually do better if she was sitting there? Could we get a better spot for him that would actually serve his gifts better? No. We can be blinded by what we know how to do well. And in so doing, we can drift away, either through our effort or through our lack of effort, through our diligence or through our laziness. In both cases, we can drift away. From this salvation, says verse 3, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. This salvation is what we do not want to drift away from. And yet we can do it ever so easily by getting caught up in our own agendas, our own directions, and knowing what we're good at, and that's how we're going to do it, or through getting pretty comfortable and we find ourselves getting a little bit lazy and we drift and drift and drift. Both options are drifting options. And as we hear all of what Hebrews has to say, as we go through the rest of the book, I think there's a third way that's offered. But before we get to that third way, let's remember who it is that we don't want to drift away from. We do not want to drift away from Jesus, who calls us his own, that verse 11 tells us so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. This is that same Jesus that we are told in verse 10, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make their pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. That he might taste death for us, for all of us, so that we might never have to fear tasting death in the same way. That we are set free from the slavery of the fear of death, as the closing of the chapter puts it. This Jesus is the one that we do not want to drift away from. The message that was confirmed by the angels and was given to us. This is the message. This is the Savior, the Word made flesh that we do not want to drift away from. Either by getting too comfortable and saying, If I get too far away, Jesus will call me back, but we've already drifted out of earshot. Or, drifting right past Jesus through all of our efforts, through doing it all on our own, and not saying, Holy Spirit, give us the power that we need. Give us the minds that we need to notice which way the wind is blowing. And so the third way is this, sailing. It's not drifting, nor is it only rowing. But where does the power come from when you sail? The wind. And what is the Holy Spirit compared to in both the Old and New Testament? Wind. The breath of God. The breath that blows. The wind is our comparing factor. And so we can row really, really hard. But if you're going to row against the wind, it's not going to go super well. And you're not going to get very far. Similarly, sailing, as I understand it, is a very active thing. You don't just get to sit and let the wind do whatever you want. That's the lazy river. That's the drifting in the tube. But rather, you need to be attentive. There is a response to the power of the wind. But it starts with knowing that the greater power is in the wind and not in yourself. Friends, this is where Hebrews will lead us, is to saying, don't drift away through laziness, don't get complacent, don't forget to gather together. Don't neglect the practice of gathering for worship and encouragement with the family of God, the communion of saints. And also, don't get so caught up in your own strength that you sail right past where Jesus was sending you. It is to sail, to say, God, strength and power comes from you. And where your wind is blowing, where your spirit is leading, that's where we need to go because that. Is where you are going. And as the disciples said, we want to be with you where you are. And so, how do we sail? How do we guard ourselves against getting too complacent or too overzealous? I think it starts by slowing down, not in a lazy way, but in a way of saying between the compass of Scripture and the windsock of prayer, of noticing which way is the wind going? How strong is it pushing? In what direction? We discern together, the family of God discerns together, where is God leading us? And so it starts with our own attentiveness. And if there's not space in our lives to ask the Holy Spirit, where are you leading me? Where are you leading us? Then through laziness or over effort, we will drift away. And it doesn't just start with one person. It starts with one person, but it doesn't end there. Isn't it a collection? Haven't we been hearing already that we are all sons and daughters? We're all on the same page. And so it takes occasionally that person speaking up and saying, I think the wind has started to shift. Or it says that person saying, I think we need to uh, rearrange the seats a little bit. And there will be some anxiety, There'll be some responses, but where God's people do their best work is saying, let's gather together to pray. Let's discern as sons and daughters, as the assembled people of God. Where is God leading? In your own life and collectively as the family of God. And there will still be work to do. There will still be effort. There will still be blisters on our hands. And there will be times To relax and to say, wow, what an amazing wind we have caught in our sails that God has given us to push us forward. But it starts by being still and by being quiet and basically asking, Jesus, we want to see you. Show us the way, show us your way. Not on our own strength and not passively waiting but an active waiting, an active waiting for the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And those who wait will discern where the winds are going. And we want to go with the wind because we want to be with God's Holy Spirit, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. God, by your breath, we are alive. By your Holy Spirit, we are given power. And so may your wind blow among us. And may we, your servants, be wise enough and aware enough and still enough and attuned enough that we can see, not that we can see the wind, but that we can see where it is going. That we see you, Jesus, that we look around and we see you in our lives, not that you are visible, but that we see the ways in which your invisible power is at work in us and around us, in our life and in the life of our neighbor. God, give us all the wisdom that we need to not drift away, to not row right past you, to not get out of earshot of your Holy Spirit, but rather to know that we need you, that you took on our flesh and blood, that you shared in our humanity, so that by your death, you broke the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and you set us free. Lord, help us to follow you, not in the freedoms of this world that we can construct, but in the truest and greatest freedom, which is freedom from sin and death, and for that, We can only turn to you, Jesus. Help us to sail towards you in our own spots, on the boat, and as a fleet. May your church sail with you. Lord, we thank you for the wind that you give us in our sails and for the Holy Spirit, the breath of life that you give us in our hearts. And in your holy name we pray, amen.